0: This is a National Arts Center podcast. Welcome to this episode of the National Arts Centre Cast series. My name is Sean Rice and I play clarinet with the National Arts Centre Orchestra. Today, Maestro Shelley joins us in the Hexagon Room at the NAC to discuss the upcoming NAC Orchestra Tour to Europe. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we have a really exciting couple of, tr- almost three weeks coming up now. Yep. We're going all over. Uh, we're going London, yep. Paris... Copenhagen, Utrecht, Stockholm, Gothenburg. I yep. think that's everything. Yep. That is. <laughs> not not a short list, not really. Mm. <laughs> that's a lot. And we're probably taking like four or five different programs, six programs I see, right? Yep. Um for you, we're going we're going to your hometown, right? Yeah. Yeah. How how is are you excited? Oh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about the
1: whole tour. Um with the exception of Paris, where mm. I, I haven't performed a lot um these are centers that I've I've spent a lot of time in. Uh, I know the orchestra as well. London's my home. I have a position with the Royal Philharmonic and perform at Cadogan Hall a lot throughout Mm. the season, most recently just a couple of weeks ago. Um, And I know what our audiences value there. I know what they're going to be delighted by. And I just feel so confident that we all, the orchestra, and then the audiences are going to share some really wonderful Mm. musical experiences that Mm. we'll be playing Works that are well known to audiences on the one hand, and we'll be presenting them in our way uh, with our amazing musicians and our approach and our philosophy and our tradition. Um, and we'll also be presenting some some really unusual music during the tour. It's apparently unprecedented for a Canadian orchestra to travel with six with composers by six Canadian. Sorry, to travel with music by six Canadian composers. That's a and lot. We can be proud of them. Yeah, yeah, we're
0: taking a lot of a lot of home with us. Yeah, on this absolutely. tour. Um, I'm particularly fascinated by, I mean, all of the works, but I'm fascinated by Vivier, who's yeah. a very interesting figure in, in music history. Yeah. Um, and his works, he's quite well known in France, is that fair yeah. to say? I, I, think. I think. I think that Claude Vivier,
1: well, taking a step back, uh, when I've been uh, talking to the press about this tour, I keep on coming back to um, a sort of a, a sentence, which is that as an outsider, uh, I think that. The culture of Canada, the depth of culture and the diversity and the brilliance is actually its best kept secret because mm. people, you know, as it is with all countries, you, you if I give you a name of a country, Switzerland, you'll probably think mountains and banks. If I say, you know, whatever, London, you'll say fish and chips and red buses, and and, chips. you know, and, and <laughs> Canada people, people think of the obvious things like maple syrup and moose and the mm-hmm. great outdoors. They think of a sort of political generosity and a, and a, a liberal and, and caring society. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think people are as aware as they could or should be of um what happens here culturally and so many levels, you know, arts, uh, visual arts, dance, music, theatre. Um and and yet there are a couple of names that have have made an impact internationally. And it, interestingly it's Claude Vivier as a composer, who is is, if not as well known as, let's say, Stockhausen's teacher, but he is uh he is well-known and he's viewed as one of those um, lives that was too short and he had so much talent. He did so much, but he could have done even more. Yeah. And I think he's a fascinating personality. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in France, where we're performing the Vivier, I think we're going to be listening to a receptive audience, yeah. or performing for a receptive audience.
0: I'm really excited to see that you chose and wanted to program that piece. I think it's yeah. really great to represent well, some, of the, some Canadian works that are... F- further into our past, because right. It's not that far. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but then also to take all these fantastic new works that you've, you've commissioned. Commissioned, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just to
1: the VVA briefly. When when I started my job here, I I was of course trying to learn and research, and 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 uh, Lonely Child was one of the first pieces that I came across where my ears really pricked up, and mm-hmm. and I thought, hmm, this is very very interesting and sophisticated music, and and at the same time very clear and clean and transparent and actually quite demanding to perform i mean it's yeah. just a hard
0: piece well microtonally, it's it's a it's yeah. a it's a it's incredible study and an adventure at the same Absolutely. time for us that i think vivier did such a fabulous job composing and utilizing microtones in a way yeah. that they can sound like semitones, like exactly. the effect of a semitone, the way he resolves them are yeah. wonderfully. I agree, wonderfully yeah. printed. In the, in the and score.
1: for 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 listeners, we're, we're talking about Lonely Child, and it's basically a there's a soprano on stage with a smallish uh, orchestra, and she is singing to a notional uh, lonely child um, who is afraid of the dark and afraid of isolation, and she sings of um, a, a paradise and heavenly images and and exciting and fantastical places where that child will uh, no longer feel lonely, no longer feel afraid. Um, And he uses some percussion and effects in the orchestra that sound like gamelan, like Eastern, that have Eastern influences. He rarely resorts to pure Western harmony, um, but he does at points. And he, in his orchestration, the way he uses microtones, he actually is trying to get back to sort of uh, of organic relationships in, in harmony. So when you go up the the harmonic series Mm. to to people's ears notes start to sound out of tune but they're actually the purest physical uh, um, uh, proportions and that's what he's trying to achieve and it takes great craftsmanship Mm. to do something very simple so it's an Mm. amazing piece
0: yeah very cool um and before we talk about more the more traditional repertoire we're Mm. of course taking life reflected this huge endeavour yeah. <laughs> for the last few years yeah. and representing the composers Nicole Lise, uh John Astacio, uh, Jocelyn Morlock, and Zosia de Castri. Yeah. Well done. Uh, well, thank we, you. we know them so well. We've performed their <laughs> so works sure. for years, but it's always for me as well, <laughs> especially when I go into listing everybody who's
1: involved. Yeah. Well, I
0: think I think for audiences who don't know or haven't been introduced to this yet and, and possibly will hear this podcast before we perform in these cities, it might be interesting to offer them some insight into what this project was yeah for you and
1: so in 2017 uh canada um celebrated the 150th anniversary of confederation Mm. and um a few years prior to that actually coinciding with when i was going to begin my tenure as, as music director we started to have meetings about how to celebrate this what an orchestra could do that would go beyond the sort of ceremonial um and um we we started to talk about then what, what does it mean to celebrate 150? What is a nation? What is what does it mean to be part of a country? And of course, there are a lot of answers to that, and and nuanced answers to that. And and country, state, nation mean different things to different people. Um, so we started to to talk about how how universal stories, stories that contain archetypes, and and, and stories that can speak to anyone around the world. Have been told within a Canadian context, uh, and what what makes it uniquely Canadian, but it is sharing a, a human and universal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started to to isolate some very interesting stories. One uh, was a quasi kind of autobiographical short story by um, Alice Munro, the perhaps leading Canadian author. She's a Nobel Prize winner, mm-hmm. and she's you know she's just extraordinary. And in her her last book. Um, the last short story is called Dear Life. Um, and we picked up on that story uh, a poem by a Mick Moore elder and, and poet called Rita Joe, who uh, was taken from her community uh, uh, in Eskasoni and put in a residential school. And uh, through through her big poetic output, she, she came back quite often to this experience. And in this one poem called I Lost My Talk, mm. she talks about how her language, her culture uh, was taken away from her systematically in that school, mm-hmm. um, which was part of the point of these residential schools. It's impossible for us to, to imagine nowadays. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, uh, she writes very movingly. And what I found at the time, and I still found today, that was so important for me in this poem, was that it's generous and it's conciliatory. Mm-hmm. And I mention that firstly because um, at the time we were putting this together, the so-called Truth and Reconciliation Commission was doing its work to find out how, what happened during this period where indigenous peoples around the country were um, in various ways abused and misused and where their culture was stripped from them, what happened, and really just trying to dig into Mm -hmm. facts Mm -hmm. and to not cover anything over, and at the same time to say, all right, once we have those facts, how can we deal with them? How can we possibly open um, a dialogue how can mm-hmm. we you know possibly reconcile these these facts and uh, that was an important endeavor and this short poem of hers embodied all of that mm-hmm. it said this is what happened to me and she says but let me ex- extend my hand to you mm-hmm. and let me tell you about me it's the most generous of poems and i found mm-hmm. that inherently very beautiful it's a universal concept uh, but it also speaks very much to canada today and the conversation that's happening in society yeah. and then uh, there there are two other uh, personalities that are explored uh one is the uh neuroscientist and uh uh, uh, astronaut, the mm-hmm. first uh, Canadian woman in space called Roberta Bondar and she was a big inspiration for one of our composers Nicole Zizé so she took her story, worked with uh, Dr. Bondar and um, and put together a really fascinating and fun piece um, and then the story of uh, a young girl called Amanda Todd who was cyber bullied uh, yeah. was bullied in reality as well, had to uh, move schools, had to change communities um, and sought various ways of dealing with this and fighting it, and she was suicidal, and then she made a video in which she told her story on a a series of cue cards that she held up and posted on YouTube, um, which was apparently, according to to her wonderful mother, a a cathartic experience, something that gave her a release. But tragically, a a few weeks later, um, she ended up taking her own life. And um, both Amanda's behavior, but also her mother, Carol's, uh, decision after Amanda's death to to go out as an advocate for for mental health for for young people and against cyberbullying and 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 against so many things is it's an extraordinary story. The and we we asked Jocelyn Morlock to write a work that engages with this, which is very hard. You know, very imagine you're brought story. to a story like that and you're told write music, and she almost couldn't do it to begin with. But she met with Carol. She she had to find. Um, as she put it, Jocelyn, and I don't want to put muds into her mouth, but this is what she said on various occasions, is that she needed to find an ending that felt um, positive, if one can use that word, yeah. an ending that wasn't just tragic. I think she that, did. Exactly, and yeah. she did that. So these four works mm-hmm. um, all constitute Life Reflected, and they, they're put together um, as a uh, unbroken 80, 85-minute uh, experience in a concert hall with uh visual arts, with acting on stage, with spoken spoken word, and the orchestra is immersed in essentially a, a, a three-dimensional projection mm-hmm. set. Um it really does take as long as I'm taking to <laughs> explain yeah. it in, in I detail. think this is necessary yeah, though. It's but it, very important. It is it's yeah. an extraordinary show and mm-hmm. it's um it was never uh it was never designed to be anything other than something that provoked thought and engagement and uh, conversation, and tried through music, tried through the visual arts to uh, literally underscore these stories, to uh, augment aspects of them, to to dig into the sort of emotional core of these stories, um, and and I think it remains a really provocative and interesting work, mm-hmm. and there there will be people who. Find the whole thing compelling. There will be people who find some of the stories compelling, and others they may be pushed away from. They may, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's a single minute of life reflected where you're not engaged and where you're not being
0: challenged. I think it's okay that it's uncomfortable in a few moments. It's, it's, it's telling the truth. It's honest, yeah. and, <laughs> and it's, it's and that's yeah. a,
1: that's a working a premise that. Uh, you know, for the, my first couple of seasons here, I tried to get away in our artistic discussions with the team and planning from the the terms to like or dislike, mm-hmm. because. It's a little too binary for the very complex world of of music and art in general, Mm -hmm. because actually the, you know, what's more interesting is I find it interesting. I find it compelling. I find it challenging. I find it fun. I find it, you know, there's so many different words we can use and like and dislike is just too binary and it requires too little investment. That's the
0: thing. I agree. I like that. That's a great way of putting it, that it's, it's, it's an experience for, honestly, I feel like when I'm playing it, I'm. There's a lot, most of the time, and we've performed it a few times, most of the time, it, a lot of it does feel like the first time for me to right. experience the stories because mm. or I pick up on something new, right? you know, because yeah. we are immersed in this 3D yeah. projection. Yeah. And so I, I catch glimpses every now and then from yeah. the corner of my eyes about some of the images. Mm. And I don't know the one about Amanda Todd and, and I lost my talk. I, I feel a deep appreciation for, because I feel mm. like they're incredibly powerful. and mm. And I feel like the composers really tried to handle that sensitive subject matter. Yeah. In a way that was very, very hard. Very hard. I take and my I think they, off to them yeah, today, absolutely. You know, um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's quite a sight to see. Yeah, I think, and
1: it's also, uh, um, I'd say, uh, the majority of symphony orchestras, when they tour, they tour with one or two programs, and there will be a piece of new music mm-hmm. maybe in there, a new commission. But. I'm very proud of the fact that this orchestra is touring, yes, with core repertoire, but also with so much new music and also with big risk-taking projects like this. Because, um, you know, when I I think about the word national in our uh, title and I think about the sterling work that so many orchestras are doing out there, but also the limitations that are sometimes imposed on them Mm -hmm. uh, financially and, and otherwise, I think, well the point of having a national anything that receives funding is to to take risks on certain things that other people can't do mm-hmm. is to, to to push the boat out and say, okay, well, if we're going to celebrate Canada 150, let's let's celebrate it in a way that is genuinely exploring some very important and uh, Canadian stories, mm-hmm. but in a way that will hopefully endure. It, it will be, um, challenging and it will be uh compelling and it will be um risk-taking like I said but it um I think by virtue of all those things it will also stand out in the crowd because yeah. there are very 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 few organizations that go on tour with a production like well, this.
0: Well it's a very interesting production it's incredibly unique I've right. never yeah. seen anything like it before personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway so it's, it's very be fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the rest of the program, we're also uh, doing Anna Sokolovic. Yep. Uh, we're touring Golden Slumbers Kiss Thine Eyes. Yeah. So Kiss Your Eyes. Sorry. Kiss Your Eyes. Okay. I
1: way. always want to say thine. Yeah. Because What's it feels... Thine at one yeah. Once yeah. A time, once No, I think it's just called Golden Slumbers Kiss Your Eyes. Weird. It feels right it feels like such a uh, flowery language. It needs more. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> With uh, David D.Q. Lee, yep. uh, the countertenor. Yep fabulous counter tenor yeah he's amazing and, and so this work is very interesting it's a it's a setting
1: of uh, different languages um and uh, sort of uh, fairy tales and lullabies and, mm-hmm. uh, from 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 different cultures a bit like Berio folk songs something like that and actually mm-hmm. her language is Love not a that. million miles from yeah, yeah. Berio. what he does yeah. in there and there's elements that sound a little like carmina Burana and mm-hmm. by virtue of the counter tenor as well and um there's a whole there's a whole lot of really accessible elements in this piece mm-hmm. uh, firstly it's got an orchestra it's got a counter tenor it's got a, a chorus and we'll be joined by London voices who's one of the one of the finest choruses in the UK for this um, in in England and uh, it's it's a 20 25 minute work but in in these uh, short-ish episodes with a, a different tune a different melody a different language in each of the episodes mm-hmm. which makes it feel very uh, brisk mm-hmm. I find the work so it's 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 going to be a fun thing to open the program with because um it's unusual it's a it's a, a great set of sonorities that audiences are listening to it's fun to have the languages um and yeah it's it's accessible mm-hmm. it's an accessible new piece of very work.
0: colorful very yeah. rhythmic it's it's it, it for me it sparks a lot of happy joy like, yeah I, I, find, I see bright sparkly colors yeah I find yeah too. it's yeah. very beautiful then the, the texture she creates with yeah with David, are very, very cool. I agree, yeah. And there's, there's one sort
1: of magical moment for audiences to listen out to, which is where he starts one of the the movements in the countertenor register, so high up. Mm-hmm. And across the course of the next sort of minute and a half, two minutes, he gradually descends right down into the bass right. register. Very- <laughs> and it's, an ex- I mean, just technically to hear it happen yeah. is extraordinary. But it is, I find it's very current. Like, because we, we live in an age where... We've realized that the sort of binary concept of man, woman, this idea of gender is far more fluid mm-hmm. than ever ever people have understood before in history, and 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 weirdly, I find the countertenor is an embodiment of that. One gets used to the one gets used to the sonority of this this high voice, and one yeah. one subliminally, subconsciously rather, places it in a certain place, it, yeah. uh, either a man with a high voice or whatever. But then he morphs down into this deep register, yeah. and
0: suddenly all your preconceptions are, are challenged. You know? Yeah, so it's kind of—it's very uh, interesting. Yeah. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's—it's oh. it's shocking. He has that range. Mm. I think. I know,
1: it, but I've heard that before. To be a great high singer, you have to be a, a very strongly
0: rooted I, I know in the low thing about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
1: how right. they do it, but right. it's
0: very cool. Uh, it's interesting to point out that. Because we've recorded a lot of this repertoire, in fact, yes. almost all of it. Yeah. Um, the Sokolovic was paired, correct me if I'm wrong, with Dvorak, right?
1: That's right. Good, yes. New World. Ah, yeah.
0: Thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're also taking New World on yeah. tour as well. This is there's a lot of cross connections between yeah. recordings we've done and all this r- incredibly unique Canadian repertoire. Yeah. yeah, and
1: and that's so we record all the life reflective music. All of there's a Sokolovic, the Sokolovich, the Dvorak, the Brahms Symphony we also recorded. And I have to say, I it, it'll be interesting to hear your perspective. I think for us artistically, as we prepare these symphonies and and then perform them and then record them we sort of dig in we 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 discover them as a, as, a, as a team together to then say right we've got that behind us mm-hmm. and then to go on tour with it is it's a very it's it's we know these works so intimately and so deeply and i think there's various aspects one is that's great because mm-hmm. we 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 really know it well we've worked so much on intonation and balance stuff like that the second aspect is that a recording is never a full stop it's also yeah. part of a journey, right? Yes, so course, we yeah. may look back in three years and four years of playing these pieces together we may say, yeah, the recording's nice, but we feel different about it. It's evolved. Mm-hmm. Maybe we say that was the best ever and we've killed but But there's always this this challenge which gets to the core of what being a, a professional musician is rather than mm-hmm. an amateur of saying no matter how well you know something and how intimately you know something, it can always be better but secondly it is our profession to bring it to life as if it's the first time and that's an interesting challenge for us because very often we are coming to pieces over a couple of days then performing them they do sort of feel fresh because we may not have performed them for a few seasons Mm -hmm. but this is a different kind of challenge and it's a very grown-up challenge yeah well (laughs) it's
0: you know it's i think it's interesting because i can't speak for everyone but personally i Mm. find that having gone through the process of recording a lot of these works and then Mm. also performing them Mm. and touring them fairly regularly it's I still find my ear catching things that I want to do better myself. I agree. Me too. And, and, and that I yeah, want to, you know. Yeah. And because like, it's impossible, you know, we as a, in chamber music, you, you can kind of get to that point faster because mm. it's, mm. it's less dense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe that's not fair to say, depending on the composer. No, 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 <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> maybe sure. Some of late Beethoven, late Brahms are quite dense. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, I think, from a, a musician perspective to yeah. realize how much information there actually is. Oh yeah, and that as time goes by, keeping an open ear to all of it really yeah. reinforces the, that idea constantly.
1: You know, for for it's it's a it's a conductor sort of daily bread to be thinking about the the structural sort of proportions and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But one, I think, as 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 a a player on ensemble, the more one one uh, digs into a piece, the more one realizes that every nuance of detail has an effect on that Mm -hmm. overall architecture Mm -hmm. and that it's it's one has various roles at any given time to the moment yes to one's partner to someone across the orchestra but then to the the phrase in the next sort of four eight sixteen measures to the episode within the -hmm. the the the, um, movement but then to the greater movement as a whole because it's a bit like chaos theory if if one person somewhat distends a phrase and it could be in and of itself a very musical idea that will have a knock-on effect Which means that one might arrive at a next bit a little slower a little quicker Of course, and we all have constantly these amazing little uh, fields of influence in every given second Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean about this sort of grown-up version is that we you start to get into the realm where everything starts to become one and one realizes more through that how fragile it
0: all is and how hard that is yeah it, it is hard it's yeah. but it's it's a good challenge and it's like listening as well yeah there's uh, it's another my, level of listening i find yeah
1: my my, my father's a musician he's recorded 170 uh, records now mm-hmm. and he's he's often talked to, to to me about something interesting which is that you know listening listening to a a, a record or a performance Is a bit like looking at a painting it depends whose eyes are are, are looking and what they find Mm. interesting yeah so i I remember we've we've done recordings here where i will talk to a member of the orchestra about them and they will say well yeah the intonation is really bothering me here and here and i'll go back to a a passage and with that set of ears on because i would have been listening to a certain passage with with a focal point of something completely different i may have been obsessing about a certain balance issue a certain uh question of how the phrase links into the next thing and in the hierarchy of what I was listening to, the the intonation may have been third. Mm-hmm. But then I go and I, I listen, and, and then I can't listen to the passage anymore because all I hear is poor intonation. You see. <laughs> you see? And <laughs> yes. and we we yeah. of course always mm-hmm. endeavour to have all of those. Happening oh, we're all yeah. We try once. to be perfect. Yeah. that's a hard thing. <laughs> um, but anybody who's you know painted a wall, let's yeah. say all you see when you come into that room is a little patch of wall that isn't quite even. That didn't get yeah. any... <laughs> unless you point it out to someone, they're not going to see it. You know? Right, so, yeah. But, but, you know... And then the big plant goes in that corner. <laughs> right, yeah. anyway, it's such a fun. it's such a fun game thinking about how we listen and how we yeah. also, as professional musicians, how we we balance because mm-hmm. it, it's also easy to never want anything to ever be recorded or performed because it's not perfect enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's
0: kind of the amazing thing about that journey. It's like, right. artistically, it's like, I don't think, I don't think as, that's why I love live performance as well. Mm. And, and it, because it's never going to be the same. And that's what's so, I mm. think so, such a, such a draw yeah, for yeah. the art form. Yeah, um, yeah. When a painting is done, you can go back to look at it each time when the mm-hmm. record is done. You can go back to listen to it each yeah, time. Yeah. But like, um, performing this repertoire and continuing to continue to learn it more yeah. it's it's very fun yeah, yeah. it's it's really been really exciting we digress but yeah um the we still have tons of Canadian content yeah. <laughs> yeah, including James Ennis and Jan Leszewski. right so we're yeah. bringing two superstar we have lots of souls I shouldn't just isolate we have Aaron Wall yeah uh, David D.Q. Lee is David Canadian Lee. as well and uh, and then we have uh,
1: Monique Mojica will right. be on stage as well Some actress. Um, but yeah, in terms of instrumentalists, we have uh, James Ennis and and Januszewski, both of whom have have sort of you know, long relationships with this orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, there are different phases of their 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 careers, um, just by virtue of their their relative mm-hmm. ages. And they're they're big exports, you know, big Canadian exports. Jan has a, a burgeoning career in Europe. He's, mm-hmm. he's very big in Germany. He's big, at, you know, across. Uh, the continent there, a DG, um, a Deutsche Grammophon um, contract and things, and he's just doing so well for himself, and he, he's a sort of proud Canadian export. Mm-hmm. James Ennis, who, I mean, I, I I do not know a single person on earth who's heard James play or played with James who doesn't think that there is no finer violinist. In he's the world. amazing, yeah.
0: and such a, a a joy to work with and a nice guy. Yeah, 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 cheeky as well. Yeah, we won't least. tell the stories, but yeah. he just looks like the perfect son-in-law, and he's really, he's really cheeky. He's really cheeky. Yeah. He's very fun, but, uh, yeah. but no,
1: we're we're lucky to be to be traveling, and we're so happy. And it, and you know, it's a again, it's an honest, it's it's an honest choice because mm-hmm. they genuinely are a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. We work with them regularly, we're not. Just hiring in somebody who can sell seats. We're yeah. saying no. These these are artists with whom we work regularly. They're yeah. also great Canadian artists. So it's you know,
0: and we're and we should talk about the pieces we're playing. We're doing uh, Ravel's Piano Concerto in G with yep. Jan and uh, the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto with James. Yeah, yeah,
1: two you know classics, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think. We just performed the the Ravel here with, with Jan and uh, and that was lovely to have a few weeks before the tour have had a run at it and to sort of uh, think about how we're shaping it and we'll meet again in London and, and rehearse with him and I'm looking forward to that as it sort of progresses mm-hmm. and evolves and um, there's nothing that doesn't suit James Ennis uh, but the Mendelssohn, you know, is right up his alley this sort of yeah. consummate uh, virtuosity but always at the service of music and, and his, his ability with with very few means to s- express a lot. He yeah. doesn't need to pull music around very much because he can color so, so subtly, Yeah, and, which I think is very helpful in Mendelssohn because it's still classical. Yeah, you know. totally. Um, so now I'm really delighted. And Aaron Wall will be singing. Claude Vivier, she also sings in Life Reflected. Right. Um, again, one of Canada's great sopranos. Um, so yeah, we're lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Thank you for all your work. My pleasure. I can't well, thank you yeah. and thank you the team. I mean, we're really looking we have forward to doing this, this now and positions.
0: going out there and crushing yeah. it. <laughs> and come, come, come and hear the National Symphony yes, Orchestra. Come. Uh, um, hell of an orchestra. So. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. My pleasure. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store, where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at NACPodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.